Hello and welcome to Handball in Numbers, the Handball Logistics podcast. We are back and we are looking at the Women's World Championships on at the moment in Spain. My name is Mark Hawkins and I'm joined again after a hiatus by Julian Rux. Hello, Julian. Hi, Mark. It's great to finally hear you again. And, and I can't wait to talk uh, handball again with you. So to give our listeners a bit of an overview of what we're going to do, here's a little rundown. So we're going through the quarterfinal matches, but won't focus too much on the games themselves, but we'll analyze more each team that's still in the tournament, how the tournament went until now, and well, how the outlook for the rest of the tournament for each team is. And of course, we'll take a short look at other interesting developments of the tournament. Most of the stats that I'll at least talk about are without the games um, against the President's Cup teams, so that their stats aren't too inflated uh, too much because of the very bad teams that, well, we've had a couple of them in the tournament. So I'd say let's start with the first game um, that will happen today, which is Denmark against Brazil. Denmark has been very good in the tournament so far, I think especially the, the their win against Germany yesterday was was outstanding and Germany was without a without a chance and you could see the, I think the quality of, of Denmark on both sides they've had very good offense with 28.8 goals per 50 possessions and very good field, field goal percentage but also especially defensive they were outstanding with just 16.1 goals conceded per 50 possessions and Outstanding goalkeepers with 54.3 more saves than expected. And both of them, Althea Reinhardt, uh, had 56.2 saves, which were 61.0 more saves than expected. But also Sandra Toft had 46.7 save percentage with 44.9 more saves than expected. So, yeah, they look to me uh, like the clear favorite against Brazil. Would you agree? Yeah, I think the thing that stands out for me most is the uh, the shot quality that's coming against them. It's only a 52% sort of average shot quality. It's only really Russia or the Russian Federation that is getting anywhere close to that, really. Um, I think with that and when you have uh, one of the best goalkeepers probably in the world who could sit on the bench and watch the second-choice goalkeeper make 23 saves on... Uh, you know, in the biggest test so far, then I think they're they're incredibly well set defensively. And I think we saw that against Germany in, in some of these group finals. We've seen some of the big teams go against each other. And I think that was probably the best statement of one of the teams that are, um, you know, in contention there. The one thing I would say about Brazil is that I think they've, Again, with the, especially with the, the teams from outside of Europe, you know, it's apart from uh, the Olympics in the last couple of years, you know, it's probably been impacted more by COVID and, and than some of the European teams with leagues stopping and, and such like. So I think it's been a, maybe a little bit harder to judge um, some of that. But again, they have one of the best attacking shot qualities averages of, of any of the teams in the competition so that's going to be the battle they, um, they have that know. but they weren't too good at, at using their their shot quality their, their high quality shots so I think that's that's an important thing for them 
but well, there's the the great goalkeepers on the Danish side. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that uh, that will probably be the battle if they can get yeah. the good shots and if they can convert them. And you know, probably from what we've seen from Denmark so far, they'll probably be too strong, or it looks like you know they'll be too strong against that. I think. Yeah, I, I can completely agree. Okay, so let's continue with the second game that we'll have today, which is Spain against Germany. Yeah, Spain had some problems on offense. They had many turnovers um, at 11.9 per 50 possessions. The highest number, of course, uh, of the teams that are still in the tournament. Um, of course, there are a couple of teams that are out now that are have higher numbers. But... They also have very high high shot quality and even use or are able to use their shots even more efficient than expected. So, well, that makes up for for the turnover part. I think it's this is actually a really really intriguing game because I think up until Germany played Denmark, they were looking increasingly stronger, and um, you know they had some, like you say, some some very good numbers as well. I think the game against Denmark maybe highlighted a couple of the a couple of the weaknesses. So again, I think that'll be interesting. It's difficult to say. You know, Spain have been playing, you know, in a group with a depleted Austria team with COVID, um, yeah. a Japanese team, which uh, was interesting to see because they completely, I think, almost apart from two players, completely uh, regenerated their team after the Olympics. Uh, Brazil, like I just mentioned, we didn't know so much about coming into the competition. So it's actually a little bit hard to judge where where Spain are. Um, and probably our final judgment on Germany was that they were maybe a bit below where we expected them to be. So I think that this is a game that really is it is difficult to predict and difficult to see in, in which direction that it, it could go. Yeah, and like for Germany, two numbers that I want to say is that amongst the teams that are still in the tournament, they have the second worst offense at 25.4 goals per 50 possessions. And um, also the worst goalkeepers with uh, 10.6 less saves than expected. So these are probably two of the points where they have to improve to, to have a chance against Spain, which I would say are the favorites. But it's not as, as clear as in the first game today, I would say. So next up, we have France against Sweden. Where, well, France has had some problems on offense. 24.7 goals, 50 possessions, which is the worst of the teams that made it to the quarterfinals. And especially they're bad at, at penalties with just 68.4%. Yeah, and they just don't use their their own shots well with an 1.5% less goal scored than expected, which is also the worst um, amongst the teams still the tournament. But on the other side, they are the second best defensive teams with just 18.5 goals conceded per 50 possessions and they force lots of turnovers. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we saw from from the Olympics, you know, the defense of the, of the French team was was incredibly strong and it's only uh yeah they're up there close to close to Spain in terms of the teams that they've or technical faults they've been able to create uh per every 50 attacks I mean 15 is is a lot and I think they 
they have this ability. They have been playing in the the all European group uh, in the competition. You know, so against Serbia, Slovenia, Montenegro, uh, teams like this. So they've been they've been they're probably well primed uh, into this part of the competition. You know, Sweden. Their last couple of games have been a little bit stronger as well. You know, they are the team that give away the fewest technical mistakes for 50 possessions. And that's, you know, taking out some of the, some of the weaker teams they played against. So we talk, you know, Norway, Netherlands, yeah. Romania, who were all uh, high quality teams. So looks to be the key battle of the match, whether, you know, France will be able to impose themselves defensively um, and be able to be able to make those, uh, make the steals, cause some mistakes and, and, and put Sweden under pressure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, well, when we talk about France's defense, we have, of course, talked about um, Sweden's offense, where Natalie Hagman is playing an incredible tournament with 10.3 goals per game, seven of them from the field. She has very good uh, field goal shooting percentage at 75.0%, uh, which is the highest amongst, um, well, high volume shooters. Scores penalties at 89.5%, uh, has very high shot quality at 69%, yeah, or even close to 70%, also the highest amongst uh, still active high volume shooters. And she scores 12.5 more goals than expected. So it's just well, outstanding numbers for her. Yeah. And I think, you know, they've done, they've done that very well on the fast break. You know, she's played a lot of minutes. She, she's, executed that part of Sweden's game really well. And I think that was touching on slightly uh, slightly other teams, but it was, you know, yeah. Sweden and um, Netherlands both tried to play a slightly uh, quicker game against Norway, which normally I think teams have avoided trying to go toe-to-toe with them. But uh, they opened up the these parts of the games and they were slightly... A quick, I mean, I think the pace was 55 um, for Sweden and Norway, but again, a little bit below Sweden's average. But they're they're playing quickly. France is is slower. They're one of the the slowest pace teams, I think, left in uh, left in the competition, uh, apart from maybe Russia is a little bit slower. But so again, if they're able to create these fast breaks, uh, create chances for for Hagman, I think is going to be interesting. Looking at it, Sweden, opposite to France, they force the least amount of technical mistakes per 50 possessions. So that probably says that maybe France is going to control the tempo of the game a little bit more. Um, so maybe harder for, for Hagman to get into the game uh, in that sort of aspect of fast breaks that she, she's been really effective at so far. So again, another quite interesting, quite... Uh, directly opposite statistics that the teams have. So, uh, you know, again, if I remember the 2017 World Championships, they played a very close semi-final as well. So it looks like another, or a match that could see a team go quite far, whoever wins it. So if you had uh, to bet money, on which team would you put your money? I think just France. I think in the areas that we've talked about, being able to control the tempo of their attack and then being able to force pressure and force steals in their defense, I think they are very strong at. And I think in, if those key things are going to be the keys to the game, I think that they have the have the power there. 
Yeah, I think I think I would would agree with you. Um, so let's go on to the last quarterfinal, which is Norway against the Russian Handball Federation. Norway is very good in offense. Uh, they had the best offense, in fact, at uh, 29.6 goals per 50 possessions. They barely turn the ball over and have very good field goal percentage. Well, on the other side of the field, they don't have the best defense. Their opponents only make 7.4 technical faults per 50 possessions. Yeah, I mean, statistically, Norway, as ever, are very impressive. You know, they look incredibly strong. They, um, But just having, I mean, the game last night with the Netherlands was a really tight game and or I mean Netherlands were fantastic for particularly for the first 15 20 minutes or so when they were yeah. leading with five or six goals and we saw actually uh you know one of the the small margins in the game was the offensive rebounds where Norway had four and I think Netherlands just had the one but it was there was two very obvious ones in the first half one that dropped to Carrie Bratzett and one that dropped to Camilla Herrem for a very uh, easy second chances. Um, and in a game, you know, and this was at a point in the game where Norway were were losing with five or six goals. So it, it made a huge difference to the momentum of the game. And I think it, the Sweden game when Norway got a two goal lead with 90 seconds left and ended up drawing the game and Obviously, there's very strong qualities in being five or six goals down in the first half and coming back to to win, but everything didn't look quite right with with Norway, um, and they lost a preparation game, a warm up game to to Russia earlier in November, and then of course they lost the Olympic semi finals for Russia. So statistically, everything looks looks great for Norway, but it. It's just not been the kind of dominant, effective machine that Norway always is. And they've shown uh, a bit of weakness, which is causing a bit of controversy in Norway, defending against seven against six, where Sweden had a lot of lot of success against. So there's possibly a couple of chinks in the armour from from watching the games and seeing the games. But again, statistically, they look they look so strong. There's There's almost no weakness apart from the ability to force the other team into technical mistakes, which is also possibly plays into the the potential issues they're having with defending against seven against six. One well, very interesting um, point about uh, the Russian Handball Federation is that they only allow 47.4% at um, penalties, which is by far the best. So it would be better for them to just like foul, foul and foul because that's uh, way better than their average uh, field goal percentage that they allow at 59.7. And one thing that I like, I'm well, waiting a bit um, uh, at tournaments, like a breakout performance by, well, she's still the reigning world player of the year, Stine Oftendahl, who's currently just at like 2.8 goals per game. So... I'm I'm like waiting a bit for her to to put her stamp on the on the tournament. Yeah, it's exactly exactly true because you know she's been the constant and she always is having these amazing games and even in the you know in the championship uh, two years ago when or maybe it's the European Championship before that when Norway had a lot of injuries um, to players you know she was 
she was the star leading them. And uh, what was very interesting in the game last night is that she actually was on the bench for quite a lot of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Henny Rystab was the one who kind of came on and, and took the responsibility, you know, the way Netherlands were defending. Um, Tori Hergson was very quick to kind of react and, and take Stina off the dial out of the game and, and, and change, change the direction of the game a little bit. So, again, um, you know, she, she is a player that can change the game and can win the game by herself. And, you know, of course, maybe suits her a little bit more playing against a team like France, who's going to defend a, a little bit more aggressively. Um, would be, in, you know, if we're looking a little bit down the line, especially I think pre-tournament, a lot of people had France and Norway as the as the finalists would be, you know, certainly the stage for her to uh, to put her final mark on the tournament for sure. Okay, so I think uh, we've gone through all the, the games of the quarterfinal. So who do you think will win the tournament? <laughs> uh, it's Statistically, I'd say Norway. But having watched the games and, and also the games and the statistics combined, I think um, I have, at this point, I have Denmark as a much heavier or stronger competitor than, than maybe I did uh, earlier on. I think they have, I think the defensive things that we, we've talked about and they were able to, uh, to implement that against their, their toughest opponents. So I think that is a really strong signal. Um, I think the evolution of the team since Jesper Jensen has been the coach has been um, always on an upward trajectory. And, and I think, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely, definitely will be fighting for the medals even if they don't make the final themselves but I, it's between France, Denmark and Norway I think um, yeah. I, I will go out on a limb and say Denmark Okay well that's what I wanted to say as well so probably I have to uh, then I'll take I'll take Norway then um, with the hopes that Stina Oftedal will have just like a, an outstanding knockout stage Yeah, so we'll see and um, we'll talk after the final again. So then we'll see who was right or if it was, well, an, another team. Probably France. <laughs> yeah, probably. And so, as we said in the beginning, there's um, like we also look a bit at well, other things that happened at the tournament. And of course, Mark, since you were, you worked with the Chinese um, national team or an analyst there probably uh well you know like everything about asian uh, women's handball so did the the great iranian goalkeepers surprise you um yeah yes um is is the short answer i mean i like you say i was working with china and we had obviously we were analyzing a lot the the uh, competition in asia um around that time we were preparing for Uh, maybe the Asian Games in the summer in the World Championships. So Korea, Japan and uh, Kazakhstan were the primary sort of competition we were looking at then. So I hadn't seen much of Iran, um, if any of Iran at that point. But I think the uh, so the, the, the goalkeeping performances there were, were as a surprise to me as I think to anyone. But I think as we'll talk about statistically, they were... 
they were impressive compared to whatever standard or whatever level that you want to you want to set to I think they were just you know it was incredibly fun to see and I think what is interesting is and statistically it shows an interesting debate between saving percentage and saving efficiency Mm -hmm. Uh, because the save percent is lower but obviously because most of the shots are fast breaks and from the six meter line or breakthroughs or the harder shots to save the, the more saves there are uh, more statistically relevant sometimes or more statistically um, or can have a big difference on how the statistics look so I think they were incredible yeah. to see actually maybe to give some some numbers um, Fatime Khalil Befar had a safe percentage of just just still good 29.4 percent but she saved 17.2 more um, shots than expected because of the reasons um, you just mentioned of course 17.2 is not the level that for example the Danish goalkeepers um, had which was still higher but it's well above average and it's it's well above very good goalkeepers um, that are that are in the tournament and also Hanife Lack, I think, is just the third goalkeeper of them, but she has even a goal or save percentage of 31.8% and saved even uh, 33.7% more than expected, of course, but she didn't um, get as many shots on the, the goal as, uh, Kali, as Fatime Khalil Befar, but still great, great numbers. And all overall, it's great numbers for them. Yeah, and I mean, to put that into to a context, I mean, in terms of efficiency saving more than expected we have her at i mean uh, from goalkeepers that have faced uh, you know around more than 50 shots or that sort of number or a higher proportion of shots then it's she's ranking in the top six or seven yeah you know goalkeepers it looks like here and i, I think that is you know if we look a little bit further at a, a player recruitment point of view um there was a small debate on Norwegian TV after the game or in the media about you know what level she would play if she came and played in Norway for example what the level is and I think this would be fascinating to see her play with it could be any of the other defenses in in the competition mm-hmm. you know because she is and as the efficiency shows compared to the save percentage she is saving the hardest shots so theoretically from a statistical point of view the other shots would be not less important but because you have the help and the cooperation with a good defense as well that if you can save those harder shots that's a better starting point to work back from so i I think it would be you know why not take a chance with a goalkeeper like this and, and and see what level they can reach yeah did anything else catch your eye yeah i think from one team was was Argentina actually because I think um, in the previous World Championships they uh, they actually had some some okay results in a group with uh, Japan and um, Sweden and Russia I think it was um, without making it past the the first round but here I think again I, the one thing I mean they've been very close with their results um, although they've only I mean beating Austria was the first European team they've beaten but in the the main round with the other teams they played, uh, Croatia and Japan and um, 
one more, which leaves me. But they play play very and they play very close games. Um, oh. They weren't outmatched at all. But the one statistic that um, that stood out for me there was, or I mean, all the statistics uh, were there, as in they were they were very uh, very strong and very, you know, if we compare them to a European team, they're almost identical to Montenegro, uh, for example, um, across the board. One small thing was defensively, they didn't create as many turnovers um, and conceded a slightly higher shot quality, but not by much. But their their shot efficiency was lower than average. So I think that was kind of the main thing that they're playing, or they look statistically very good across the board, but they have room to grow, as in they're not quite performing to what we'd expect um, from them just yet. So they're still... A little bit of potential there. Um, they have very good coach uh, Eduardo Gallardo. He was the coach when um, uh, the men's Argentinian team broke through in 2011. They beat Sweden in the World Championships and qualified for the Olympics for the first time with the Simone brothers. So I think um, you know he he's kind of travelled this road before with the men's team. I think they they could be one very interesting to watch for the. Uh, for the next World Championships to see how they continue to progress and develop. Um, and of course, from the playing point of view, they have, uh, you know, Elke Karsten, who is... Yeah, that's what uh, I wanted to to add, that probably, like, the offense well, was very focused on her, her, of course. And, of course, it's always the, the thing that when you've been, when your focus is on in the offense on one player that high, that uh, shooting efficiency was, well, sometimes better, sometimes not that good. And, well, that's that's a problem then, of course, if it's your if it's your focus on the offense. Okay, that's it for today. As always, follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's at Handpolitics everywhere. And then we'll hear each other again after the final.